Well, welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me today down the King Power Stadium is Jordan Blackwell. Good afternoon. Hi, Jordan. And we've uh, just sat through a very interesting, mm, informative press conference with Claude Bell. Unusual to the usual staple of uh, press conference we have pre-match. I mean, Southampton are coming to the King Power Stadium uh, on Saturday, uh, Claude's um, old club, but uh, we'll get to what Claude has to say because he's, he's he's come out fighting, hasn't he today? Definitely, really, yeah. so it looks like he's really trying to defend himself for the barrage of criticism he's received, not just after the FA Cup uh, defeat at Newport County last week, but in general over a number of months. It's felt it feels like it's built up inside him, and it's all come spilling out today. But we'll get to that shortly. So keep listening. Uh, first of all, Jordan, uh, let's. Uh, take care of a bit of housekeeping the usual team news first yes um, not a lot to report but one new injury uh, and a significant one uh, Johnny Evans is out for around six weeks with a broken toe uh, it's his little toe that he's broken um, and that's going to keep him sidelined for a while Powell said that he hopes to have him he says usually when there's a, a, a break of some sort it takes six weeks to recover but he's hoping maybe he can have him back um, sooner um, so that's a little bit of a blow because I think Evans have done well recently, with um, particularly with uh, when Morgan was out uh, with illness. Uh, but I think in Maguire, Morgan and um, Suyunja, they have enough options there to get by. I don't think there's any suggestion that they're going to recall uh, Benkovic from Celtic. I think he's um, struggling with injury as well. Yeah, he's got a hamstring, hasn't he? Yeah, so I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so I think they'll just wait for, for Johnny Evans' toe to heal. And then go from there. But it, other than that, no new injuries. Obviously, Danny Amate still sidelined uh, with his broken ankle. Um, we understand he's back in training or certainly doing light running. Um, but he's still probably a couple of months off. Um, other than that, it's a, um, a clean bill of health. And we've got a new name. Well, not so new, but yeah. a newish face in uh, a training today. And he could be uh, back in the squad tomorrow. Harvey Barnes has been recalled from West Bromwich Albion. He was due to be there all season on a season-long loan. but And I think the plan was, and, uh, originally, just to leave him there for the season to help his development by playing regular football. But he's performed so well for West Brom um, that Claude's had a rethink and in the last 24 hours has made the decision to recall him and uh, he could feature against Southampton. What do you make of that? Um, uh, I'm pleased. I think it's the correct decision. I mean, we've spoken about it on this podcast. I think... When we first spoke about it, we probably said, yeah, keep him there. And then around November time, when it was clear how well he was playing and maybe Leicester City was struggling sort of creatively, I think we both agreed then that it may be a good idea to bring him back. Um, I think the the timing of it has, has surprised me slightly. I think I, w- I think he probably could have been recalled. This could have been a conversation that the club had maybe before the window started so they could bring him back right at the start of the window. Um, well, here's what I reckon the timing's been strange. I think up until recently, the last few days, I don't think Leicester City were going to recall him. I think their plan A was to leave him where he was. But I think with Fasini Diabate's loan move going through to Siversport, to Turkey, and uh, the fact that they've now got a little vacancy in the attacking options, I think Claude Pearl's pushed this through in the last 24 hours because I spoke to somebody within his camp a few days ago and they said it was unlikely mm. it was looking unlikely that uh, he would be recalled and I think from talking to people around West Bromwich Albion that they were confident they were going to keep him for the remainder of the season but 
I think in the last 24 hours, Leicester City has said, right, OK, we're just going to take the plunge. We're going to recall him now and he's straight back into the squad. Yeah, and uh, you would hope that, you know, as a you say that about Diabate leaving and becoming a, a, a vacancy almost, you would hope that Barnes features a lot more than Diabate did. And I think the way Puel has spoken about Barnes today, I think he will um, feature a lot more. Well, that's said, the key, wasn't it? When we discussed this in the past, we both said... If he's going to come back, he's got to play. Yeah. There's no point sitting in the under-23s again. They did that last year when he recalled him from Barnsley. And yeah. that was a waste of time. It now. was a waste of time because when he played for the under-23s, it was clear it was head and shoulders above you know, the, play was, the players he was playing against. And that's, he's not going to aid his development. Yes, he, he's play, he can play very well for the under-23s. But playing against his peers is no longer, you know, he's not going to develop further or become a better player. So yes, I think it is about making sure he gets game time. Based on what Powell said today, I think he will. He's described him as a complete player. He said he can. He's always looking to score goals, but he's also also looking to provide for his teammates. Um, he said about his good feet and his good good runs and his good penetration, uh, his sort of calmness and composure in the box. Um, there were, I mean, there was lots of attributes that he uh, that he, um, you know, the way he described Barnes. Um, so I think there's a. I think certainly we will see a lot a lot more of him tomorrow. I don't think. We'll see him start, but I certainly think we'll see him on the bench. It seems that, that I think when the club announced that Barnes had been recalled, they said he would be available subject to Premier League approval. That seems to be fine on that front. There was no suggestion from Powell that that's, um, that's going to affect Barnes. So I think we'll see him on the bench tomorrow and maybe um, maybe he'll come off and, and help Leicester win the game. When Claude was asked about last year, he did say last season he wasn't ready. He felt yeah. he wasn't ready when he came back. And that's why we didn't see him feature. It does beg the question when you leave him where he was, but they brought him back anyway. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I think we're going to see him now. We're, I mean, the, I know Gazelle scored the goal at Newport last season, but he's been hit and miss, hasn't he? He's yeah. been unconvincing. Diabate, we know, was out of the frame. That really just leaves all Brighton and uh, and Gray really and um, and Madison as well number ten. I mean Harvey. Let's not forget can play down the middle. I mean yeah. I mean he was pure. I was talking about his best position is probably wide on the left or down the middle. Um, so you know he could be put pressure on James Madison as well. So it'd be interesting to see. He's a great option to come off the bench, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he's. I've always thought whenever I've seen him, he's just he's really efficient in everything he does. Um, and I think that's maybe where you. You could see there's a difference between him and Gray. I think it would be Gray's position on the on the left of the three that, that Barnes puts pressure on. Um, that Gray's uh, Gray's decision making sometimes lets him down, and he sometimes chooses to shoot when he shouldn't. Uh, he sometimes plays the wrong ball. Um, everything Barnes does seems to have an efficiency about it. Uh, he's not. You know, he's not waiting. He's never waiting on the ball, waiting for the defender to commit himself. He's making the runs. He's making the the, uh, the defender commit. Um, He's playing the right passes. He's, he knows when to shoot, um, and so yes, I think he'll. I think to start with, yes, he'll be an option off the bench. But I think it may only take a, a week or so, and we'll see him in the starting lineup. Well, I hope the Leicester fans don't put too much pressure on and too much expectation. Yeah, I'm doing that. I mean, we've, we've talked about youngsters and their development at the club, and there's a lot of youngsters at the club now. It's, I think it's the second youngest side, is it in the in the in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, and, and they are hit and miss and they are prone to um, confidence lapses as well so I hope people just give him a bit of time to settle back in I mean this is a big step up for him again now to Premier yeah. League level if he's going to be playing consistently and uh, so I hope people don't expect too much too soon from young Harvey but it's, it's an interesting one Yeah and I think actually I think whilst dealt with 
sort of the young players quite well. I think, you know, we may have been saying about Chilwell last season that he was lacking a bit of consistency and we'd be saying, well, maybe, is he improving? Um, this season, you, you could quite easily say he's been Leicester's best player. And, he's been and most consistent. Yeah, exactly, well. yeah. yeah. Um, so I think there's a, I think no matter what the fans, you know, their thoughts on Barnes uh, or any of the young players for that matter, I think the way Puel handles them it, He's clearly doing the right thing because because of the improvements we haven't seen in the likes of, uh, of Chilwell and, uh, and Chowdhury as well. Well, I mentioned there that Barnes has come back and he was quick to Paul was quick to say that wasn't because of Debati going out. He, you know, it wasn't a light for light. It wasn't a case of just recording Harvey to make up the numbers. But Debati's gone out at Silverspore. Not really surprised about that. We were sort of expecting that. But one we weren't really expecting, uh, Vicente Bora leaving the club as well. Um, what did you make of Vicente? Because we thought King, Adrian Silva, and he would that would leave him with the five midfield options for the for the um, that give him options as well for playing two or three yeah. in centre midfield. But to take Vicente out of that picture as well, that surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I think I think it surprised me as well. Um, I I think clearly Ebora was further down the pecking order than he would have liked. Um, I think it's, it's fairly clear that that. Puel's main men are Mendy and Ndidi and maybe even Chowdhury coming up now because of how well he's played in the last few games but I think Ibora gave some provided something a little bit different yeah, yeah. To, to them in terms of his his composure on the ball although I would say Mendy has that as well but you know the way he spread passes and he just he was very calm and collected you know he's seen it all essentially he's played in um, the Liga for, for plenty of years so he, he knew what he was doing um, yeah, so I think there's a little bit of surprise there. I think it's possibly uh, because he's not featuring that often. Maybe he was a bit uh, upset, and we think that his his family have not really settled in to to life in England all that well. Um, and maybe because Villarreal were there offering close to the amount of money that Leicester bought him for. I think it was. Only, I think it seems like they've sold him for about nine million. Yeah. And Leicester, Leicester bought him for twelve. Given he's eighteen months older, um, to recoup nine million pounds for a player that's coming off the bench every couple of games, is that the right thing to do? Maybe Leicester saw an opportunity there, and because Ibora's maybe a little bit frustrated with his lack of game time, maybe they just thought, "Well, we're not going to get this much money for this player." I think his family, family circumstances as well was a factor as well, wasn't it? I don't think his family really settled in England and obviously wanted to go back to Spain. So I think it was a, a move that probably suits all parties now but uh, that will inevitably lead to the question does that mean Paul's going to bring in a midfielder now he was asked about that today we'll ask about bringing bodies in and what did he say well he's he's very keen to stress that he's only going to sign players if they can be really good players uh, if they can be become valuable players for the club if they can give their strengths to, to help Leicester um, and he seems to think that that January is the wrong time to find those sorts of players. Um, obviously, with Barnes, it's easier because it's, it's just a case of recalling him. But he thinks that it was it's a, it becomes a lot more expensive to sign a to sign a good player in January. Um, and while he said that they do Leicester do have targets, they are also targets for the summer. Um, and I think it seems to be that everything's everything transfer wise is directed towards the summer. When Leicester know that they'll be able to get better deals, the players will then be able to have a pre-season and it, they won't need betting in time. Because that's the, that's the thing as well. We've seen with a lot of Leicester signings, 
that there's going to be, you know, they probably need a month, two months to, to see them at their best. Well, a month, two months from now is, you know, we're getting towards March, you know, mid-March, end of March. And then there's only, what, eight games left of the season? Um, so I, I, I can understand where he's coming from. I, I think only occasionally have Leicester got really good deals uh, in January. I think they bought a DD in January. I think that was a necessity because they not really replaced Kante. Um, and then back, well, back in the Championship, they got Morris in January, which turns out to be a decent signing. But, that's, um, uh, but he made the point... I mean, we're going to be touching on this in a minute. We made the point about when Mahrez first came to the club, it took him a while to settle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we didn't see um, Mahrez. T- I mean, yes, he was he was decent in the Championship. First season back in the Premier League, didn't see him an awful lot. He sort of did well. To, I think he scored the winner at Hull around Christmas time. Did well at the end of the season, scored a couple against Southampton in one of those, in the great escape period. But other than that, we didn't really see a lot of him. And it, all of a sudden, the next season, he becomes, you know, the best player in the league. Um so yes, I think there's there, every player needs a bedding in period. Although Paul said Harvey Barnes doesn't need one, he was very quick to point that out as well that there's, there's not going to be any period of um, adapting because he already knows his teammates and he's played regularly for Albion, so he's not like he needs to get yeah. a match fit. So I think that that's it's clear that the Barnes provides everything that Paul would want in another January signing, um, but the bonus with Barnes being that. It's not costing them he's, anything. He's already their player. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I would be surprised if Leicester signed any more players. I think if, if there was to be anyone, I think it would be a central midfielder. Because as you say, perhaps Ibora wasn't on their list of uh, players to get rid of this month. Well, just talking about transfers there, Claude has a long-term view of it all, doesn't he? Not making signs in January, thinking about um, September now. There's certain elements of the fan base and there's certain elements of the media that think he's not going to have time or don't want him to have time. Now, in the embargo section of the presser today, and we have to be careful because we don't want to give it all away there and, and upset our journalistic colleagues, um, he came out fighting. I, I was quite surprised. He was asked about what if Leicester got to play for now uh, this season after being knocked out of the FA Cup and they've already gone out of the Caribou Cup. Both times, Pua was criticised for making seven changes. Um, for both sides and it was the perception that um, he didn't give it his best shot in the cup shall we say and now the question was in, and this came in the, the normal section of the press conference that uh, is, is seventh now the minimum they would accept this season is anything other than if, is eighth seen as failure this season which got a re- reaction out of him yeah. and then sparked what was quite a revealing uh, well I've never seen Claude talk so openly honestly yeah. and 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 come out with some fighting talk. Yeah, I think it, I would say it's the most animated I've seen him. I think he obviously has a, a reputation for being quite uh, calm and considerate. That was one of the questions. Well, yeah, about about his demeanour and whether and that public perception, how that handicaps him in some ways. Yes, and whether that affects people's opinions of him and the way he puts himself forward. And he had, a, I thought, he had a very good response to that as well. Um, but I, I, yes, I think it's clear that there's a. It, a lot of it was a talk about expectation. I think that was the if the main topic, uh, if you like, if you want to sort of um, to, to put it all in one, um, and where Leicester stand. I think in the in the main section before he sort of began, began his um, sort of rant, if you like, he, he was talking about the money that other clubs around Leicester have spent. Because it, although Leicester are seventh at the minute, there is a cluster of teams that could quite easily finish seventh. We're looking at Everton. West Ham, Wolves, Bournemouth, 
mm. uh, Watford. They're all in that. They're all in that battle. And, and he all... mentioned specifically Everton, West Ham, and Wolves, and their spending and about the money they're spending. And I think that's that's quite interesting. That I think it's the first time he said that about maybe revealing his maybe frustrations um, about the lack of money. I think Leicester spent about a hundred million pounds in the summer, but they also made seventy five million pounds back and. 60 million of that was selling their best player their irreplaceable best player um, where you look at someone like Everton spending what was it 35-40 million pounds on Richarlison mm. um, having previously spent that the same amount of money on Gilvie Sigurdsson um, West Ham spent about 100 million as well bought in uh, but I got the impression players. when he was saying about the, the spending that it wasn't that he, were, he was complaining that he's not been given money to buy players that that his philosophy isn't to go out and yes. buy ready-made players. He wants to buy players that he can develop. He thinks that's the right way for a club like Leicester City to go on and compete. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think he's, he's also making the point that Leicester don't have a, a God-given right to finish seventh because look at all these other teams mm. that are really trying to finish seventh as well. Mm. So he, he was trying to get across the point that Leicester shouldn't be expected to finish seventh. That, you know, It wouldn't be a failure if they didn't finish seventh because... Of the amount of teams competing for that one spot, and you know, he was saying about all the players at this team. They know, they know realistically, seventh is the highest their team can finish. The top yeah. six is a is a close shot, certainly at the minute. Um, so, all, all the players, all of these teams are targeting seventh. It's going to be a, a he's, he's trying to get across the point that it's a difficult job and it shouldn't be taken for granted that Leicester, that Leicester are seventh and they're just going to finish there automatically. And before anybody listening goes, yeah, but we won the title in 2016, we should be challenging again. Well, you'll have to wait and read Claude's <laughs> answer to that because that was thrown at him as well, isn't it? That uh, you know the, the perception that Leicester City were title winners in 2016 and therefore automatically should be challenging again in the top six or pushing for Champions League. And uh, yeah, we, you, you, it'll make for interesting reading a, a bit later on. Um, what else that stood out from that little section as well? I was talking about his image there, and we yeah. talked about that. And uh, there was a, a few other a good uh, questions that. Got drew a, a response out of him a, a, as well about what the message has been from above and what the ambitions are of the club and he, he seems to be a guy that is willing to take the pressure understands there's a lot of pressure understands there's a lot of criticism coming his way he feels that I think that he gets more stick than most football managers do certainly at clubs around them who've got similar aspirations as Leicester but for some reason he gets more of it and it's ironic that it's Le- uh, Southampton Coming to the King Power yeah. Stadium tomorrow, isn't it? Because that was exactly what happened there. The, uh, you know, they, they finished sixth before he came. Yeah, they finished sixth, and obviously they were in the the Europa League. Um, and he, he made all these points about you know, uh, really when he's talking he's, when he's spoken about his time at Southampton before, he's been kind of um, he's not he's not risen to the the fact that they sacked him when he, even though he got to the cup final and and they finished eighth, he's not sort of he's, he's played down that that was a you know, a, a, an odd sacking, um, but he seemed to to point those things out today, mm. and and even the fact that they they had Europa League games to contend with as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's. Um, I think although he's not revealed it so uh, this far, 
I think that's is Southampton sacking maybe remains a, a point of contention. Oh, in I think it's, yeah. I think there's many many straws that are breaking the camel's back at <laughs> yeah. the moment, which has led to the. Uh, to the and I'll just finish on this note before we leave you with the diddy ding diddy dong. Um, the first words he said in the embargo section were, "This is the truth." And that led to 35 minutes of Puel pouring out his soul. So head over to Leicestershire Live after 10.30 tonight and in tomorrow's Mercury, Leicester Mercury, and you can read all of Claude's reaction to a lot of the criticism that he's been receiving for a number of times now, a number of weeks, so don't miss that. Thank you for joining us at Dilly Ding Dilly Dong. There's plenty of stuff to read on Leicestershire Live now. Me and Jordan have been bashing all that out, so you can catch up with the latest Leicester City news there. And we'll be back with a live blog. Jordan will be doing a live blog from the King Power Stadium during the Southampton game. 20 minutes. Every time.